Well, good morning. Welcome to Parkwood this morning. I hope you have a couple things in your hands. One is just the info guide. It looks a lot like this. Uh, the other is sermon notes, back and front. A couple of things on here just to remind you of that's important. We've got a campus meeting coming up on the 26th. Uh, but even more importantly, Thanksgiving Eve service on the 22nd right here at 7 o'clock. So I wanted to make sure you're aware of that. Make sure you look at those things. Galatians 1, verse 6. We're in our second week, beginning our expositional study through Galatians. What that looks like for us as a church when we say we're studying expositionally through a book of the Bible is we don't want to skip anything. We bind ourselves to God's Word that we will not skip anything. And on days like this, you see why it is important to to take God's Word a verse at a time because God's Word has things that are amazing and wonderful and sometimes it has messages that are hard and important. And this morning is one of those messages. And so I'm going to try to be true to God's Word but also to convey the very passion and concern that Paul has. So Galatians 1 verse 6, stand with me in honor of God's Word I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Pray with me. Lord, we, we love your word. We live by your word. So, Lord, teach us today through the very sobering message that Paul is delivering to the churches in Galatia and he is delivering to the churches here this morning. And so, Lord, we accept your word as truth. And so, Lord, we will not change it. We will simply proclaim it and, Lord, help us to submit to it. Thank you for the power of your word in our life that called us from the grave and woke our dead bones to life and gave us a name. Lord, we never want to turn from that truth. So help us, we pray, to keep our eyes always on the cross, even today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Be seated. The question this week, often I think through the message with a question. Sometimes it's multiple, sometimes it's just one. Here's the question. I think it's a very pertinent question in our day and time. Does it really matter what we believe as long as we all just love Jesus? Isn't that what matters, preacher? So I ask you, we just got through with Second Peter. I challenge you if you didn't hear that to go back and maybe listen to that. They had their own set of false teachers over that Peter's dealing with, and they were, they, they were using licentiousness as a 
as a reason to abuse grace. They were saying, Jesus died, grace. I mean, we can just live like we want to. And they brought that immorality into the church. And now we have this other extreme. The Judaizers. Legalism. Grace plus. So let me ask you something about these two false teachers. If you ask them if they love Jesus, what would they say? They would say, oh yeah, we love Jesus. To some degree, our prayer has been in Galatians that it would be a paradigm shift. Then you don't want to go to hell, do you? Then just do ABC. Admit, believe, confess, you're in, write in your Bible, you're fine. To a complete paradigm shift that the gospel is the A to Z of the Christian life. In other words, we believe as New Testament Christians, as blood-bought believers, we need the gospel as Christians as much as unbelievers do. It's not only entrance into the kingdom, it's the way we live in the kingdom. And I, I ask myself of asking you today, even at the beginning, a little bit of application, could it be that much of the problems in our marriages, in our homes, and in God's church is ultimately a gospel problem? When the gospel is unclear, when it cannot be articulated, it will not be applied in, in your life, and it will not be applied into the lives of other people. He has went, just look back up at verse 5. He ends with a dox, in verse 5 with a doxology. <laughs> Glory to God. To, I'm astonished. I mean, just that quick. There seems to be almost like someone left out a verse or something. It's not. Even in 1 Corinthians 1, and you know... If you know anything about Corinth, Corinth had their issues. It had a lot of immorality going on in the church, all kinds of things. And even in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 1, 4, he says, I thank God always because of the grace of God. Not here in Galatians. You see, even more serious than the immorality going on was, was the gospel being perverted. So he goes right to it. He says, I'm astonished that you are deserting the true gospel. Look at verse 6. I am astonished you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I want you to see, and to some degree, this, this one point flows the rest of the message. Desertion is serious. And it's only going to get more serious as the message unfolds, as he, as he keeps speaking, even through the whole letter but you see the word deserting and the word turning. In the Greek, there's only one word. It's simply two ways to describe the same word. This deserting is a turning. It is abandoning. What this words mean is a transfer of allegiance. It's to take your allegiance and transfer it somewhere else. He said, this is what you're doing. This is present indicative. He's not saying, folks, I think maybe... Possibly, we could be getting just a little bit off. No, he says, this is a statement of fact. Right now, you're deserting. You're abandoning. This isn't something small. This is serious. So what's going on here? Turn with me to 3 John. I want you to just see the pastor's heart. 3 John 4. This is not just true of Paul. This is true of all the apostles, and it should be true of every believer, especially if God has called you to shepherd God's people. Third John, verse 4. 
He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. To some degree, having a pastor's heart for your people is much like having a parent's heart for your children. What do you desire for them? Wealth? No, we desire that they walk in the truth. This is the past. This is the pastor of Paul coming out. This is why he is so bent out of shape. He doesn't even give thanks for them. Because he's concerned about them. What are they walking in if they're not walking in the truth? Now flip back with me to Galatians. Turn to chapter 4, verse 19. You see this in the heart of Paul. This pastor's heart. How serious a problem this is. Galatians 4.19 says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You see this word anguish? This is why it's so serious. There's something. He's in anguish until Christ is formed in you to your self-feeding in the gospel. Returning from the true gospel is to desert Christ. And this has happened quickly. This is inside of two years. This is what's blown him away. How quickly this happens to these believers. Turn with me to Exodus 32. We see this happening in the children of Israel over and over again. You remember in Exodus 32, Mount Sinai and Moses went up on the mountain to receive God's law. Remember what happened. It wasn't gone long. Look with me at verse 1, Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods, do shall go before us. As for Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And God, verse 8, God looks at the situation. Here's what he says. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made themselves a golden calf, and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it, and says, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. This is exactly what's happening in the Galatian church. Quickly, they have deserted. But listen, what have they deserted? It's not a what, is it? Look at the text. It's a who. Verse 6, desertion of the true gospel is personal. You deserted him who called you in the grace of Christ. You see that? Him. That's who you're deserting. You're not deserting a philosophy. You're not deserting a way of thought. You're deserting a person. And it is Him who called you. See that word calling? Calling is one of Paul's favorite words. I challenge you not, not to get hung up on this this morning, but just write it in your notes and just look it up in Scripture every time, especially when Paul used calling. What is he talking about? Calling here is the effectual calling of God to salvation, whereby the Holy Spirit savingly applies the invitation of the gospel to the heart and life of an individual. This call is full and free and effectual. This call produces life. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1. I want you to see this. One of just many illustrations. If 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22. This illustration here was used in your growth group. I hope you're a part of a growth group was used in a growth group. We proclaim the gospel. And different people are there in front of us. All of them hear the same gospel. 1 Corinthians 1, 22. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The 
Here's what we're doing. We're preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And the Jews are offended because we dare tell them that they have to repent and they're not right before God. Listen, I'm a child of Abraham. I'm in by default. Don't you tell me I got to do something, right? They're offended. The Greeks are like, a resurrected Messiah? That don't even make sense. Are you serious? This is what's happening. We preach Christ crucified. There's two different responses here. You see it? One's offended. The other just thinks it's plumb silly. And look at verse. But look what happens in verse 24. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The message goes out and the Spirit produces life. So there is the gospel and there is a spirit and both are necessary. The point here, the point here, listen, the point here is not calling. That's assumed that we understand that. The point here is don't change the gospel. Don't change it. He's called you into the grace of Christ. This is what's astonished him. God has called you into the grace of Christ. This miracle has happened in your life by grace and you're rejecting it. You're going back to the law. I just can't believe this. Yet you are called, yet you are beginning to turn to grace plus. Going from the grace that's free to the works of human achievement. But guess what? This is good. I just want you to be encouraged today. There's not a one of us that don't have people who haven't deserted. Not a one of us. Desertion isn't hopeless. It's not. Is it serious? Yes. Very serious. He wants it to be serious. But it's not hopeless. He wouldn't have wrote the letter if it was hopeless. Right? He wrote the letter because he was concerned because it's not hopeless. Galatians 5 verse 10. Look at what he says. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. The truth is, as the hymn we are about to sing in just a few minutes, we are all prone to wonder. We're all prone to wonder. As believers, we are prone to wonder. What changes our course? What, what, what wakes us up, the gospel? And we must not change it. We must not put up with anyone in the body of Christ who does. This is what he's about to lay on the table. He's astonished. So he, he puts on the table for these believers, the consequence of this false gospel proclamation. There is a serious consequence. It says, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So in verse 6, he says, you're turning to a different gospel. In verse 7, he says, but not that there's another one. I mean, let's be clear. There's not this way, and well, this is the better way, but this is the way too. No, he's saying, no, there's no other gospel. This grace of Christ plus law works is no gospel at all. And it's not a good news. Look at why he gives a reason for the desertion in verse 7 too. He said, but there are some who trouble you. He said, those chum, that's the others. You're going to see it through the letter. This is, these are the others that were the Judaizers that were causing trouble. They're saying, Paul's the one with the defective message. We're really just telling you to be true to the Bible. All we're simply telling you to do is the Bible says you must be circumcised. In Genesis 17, so just obey the Bible. 
See how subtle that is? Here's what he's saying. These false gospel proclaimers, they're causing trouble. That word is throw into confusion. It is, it is taking something and shaking it. So that's what they're doing. They're causing trouble. They're causing confusion. Listen, this is why it's so serious. To distort the gospel is to destroy the church because the church lives by the gospel. If you want to know how, why so many churches are shriveling up in the Bible belt of the South, it's because we have forsaken the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's people live by the gospel. We'll travel an hour to hear it. we got to hear it. The, the church lives by it. And we must not change it. Because here's what we know. 2 Timothy 2.26 says this. What's behind the false gospel is Satan. The false gospel is nothing but a snare. I didn't use this illustration in the first service. This impacted me. Every once in a while I accidentally sort of run on it. Do you? And most of us don't remember it. In the 60s and 70s, a a man rose up on the scene named Jim Jones. It was in the age of segregation to where people were treating each other not like people made in God's image. So what did he come proclaiming? He come proclaiming a social gospel. And, he, and many people followed him. He gained a following. And here's what he did. He isolated them from the gospel and he killed them. This is exactly what followed. This is why it's so serious. We not, might not be feeding them Kool-Aid with cyanide, but we fill out stadiums and give them a message with no Christ crucified. And we do so to their own eternal destruction. This is what he's saying. The proclamation of another gospel is not a minor defect. It distorts the gospel. That's what he's saying. It flips it upside down. This is blood and water. This is light and darkness. This is not a small deal. You see, the order of salvation is important. It's important. Galatians, I mean Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I want you to look at this. We know this verse well. I just want you to see it. This is why it's so important. This is why, listen, this is why up to this point, last week, I didn't mention faith at all. It's coming. And when Paul gets on faith, he's not going to let it go. <laughs> so hold on. But listen, it's important we get this order right. It's eternally important. Ephesians 2, verse 8. Now look, just listen and, and, and even count on your fingers. For what's first? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not of the result of work, so that no one may boast. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Don't, do you see the order? Grace, faith, works. You get that backwards and you do not have Christianity. you got a works-based religion that will send you to hell. That's the, that's the message. That we're saved by grace alone. For good works, not by good works. What's the example of the sum of, of a distortion today? It sounds really good. It sounds sort of like this. Well, you know, people already know they're they're sinful. And I agree, you know, people are sinful. And Jesus, I believe Jesus died on the cross and the blood was shed, and but you know. People already know they're bad. 
and people are so tired and so beat up. My ministry is just to encourage people. Other people, they have a ministry and they can talk about sin and the cross and the necessity of repentance. But, but me, my ministry is just to encourage people and just to help people feel good and to make it through their week. Wrong! That's a false gospel. The social gospel and the prosperity gospel are false gospels that promises people what they want as they go to hell. And listen, we have no better. Me and Jeff was looking at some of our old Southern Baptist curriculum back in the 80s, I think. And on the front cover of it, it says their intention is to just teach our kids how to be good, moral children. Listen, morality will keep you out of jail, but it will not keep you out of hell. And if you don't have Jesus Christ and Him crucified, you have no gospel. And we have no good news. This is not a little thing. And he, so He lays on the table. Let's be clear. Those who proclaim a false gospel, look at verse 8, are cursed by God. The gospel can't be changed. And those who change it, look what he says. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a, a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The truth of the message depends on its content, not the credentials of its messenger. God is not impressed with the plaques on your wall if you change his message. He says, listen, it doesn't matter. He uses a little hyperbole. He said, it doesn't matter if it's me or if an angel comes down from heaven. If he utters something different than the message that I've given to you, they are accursed. And if I change it, I am. So what does he mean by that? He just upset. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. This word anathema, this word accursed, is speaking of future judgment and condemnation, not simply temporal. 1 Corinthians 16.22 says, If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. Romans 9 verse 3. Romans 9 verse 3. Paul uses this speaking about himself. You see, Paul loved the Jewish people. He loved them. He he would, he would give anything that they might be saved. But you see, they weren't saved because they were Jewish. They must repent and believe the gospel. Look at what he says. Romans 9.3 says, for I, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He said, I would give up my eternal soul and go to hell if my Jewish brothers and sisters would be saved. This word accursed means destruction. It means devoted to God for destruction. Not in your notes. Deuteronomy 7.26. Deuteronomy 7.26. You to see this used in the Old Testament. It says in Deuteronomy 7.26 says, And you shall not bring an abominable thing into your house and become devoted to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest and abhor it, for it is devoted to destruction. If we had time, we would look at the story of Achan. It's exactly what happened to him. This means devoted to destruction. Those who preach another gospel, 
will be devoted by God to everlasting destruction. Brothers and sisters, this is not an excommunication from the church. This is a separation from God eternally. This is serious. This is sobering. This is the consequences of peddling a false gospel. And listen, just so we know that Paul's not having a bad day. He's writing that down really mad. He says, okay, I need to, I need to take a break. I need to go count to 10 or 200. And he come back. He comes back in verse 9, and here's what he says. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Something the second time he's speaking directly to the Judaizers. This is serious. And yet they're saying, here's what the Judaizers are saying. Paul's just telling them Gentiles what they want to hear. I mean, what Gentile wants to be circumcised? Not many volunteers. And so let's just, let's just tell them what they, you're just telling them what they want to hear. And so what he lays out here is the foundational conviction for a true gospel proclamation. And I would argue that this must be the, the foundational conviction of true gospel living. Look at verse 10. For now, he asks a question. So he brings the curse up on the table. Now in verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? You see this? He pronounces a curse and he asks a rhetorical question to deal with the charge. That you're just saying all this. You're just catering this gospel for the Gentiles. He said, would I just put a curse on man if I cared? If I was trying to please man? That doesn't even make sense. I'm not trying to please man. My allegiance is to God. He saved me. He called me to Himself. He commissioned me. He gave me a message. He told me who to take it to. My allegiance is to Him. I am not doing it to please man. I'm doing it to please God. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? What's your motivation? How much of what we do is simply a desire to please people or fear man and we have lost the fear of God? In the next verses, Paul's going to demonstrate his knowledge and his zeal in Judaism. In other words, he's going to make the case, listen, I had it made. I had it made temporarily. I had everything I needed. And what's happened is you open up the rest of the letter. Here's what he's going to say. Following Christ has only caused me persecution and to be beaten. In other words, I wouldn't follow it if it wasn't true. But it is true. And this is the only way to eternal life. And those who peddle another one are going to go to hell and I don't want you to follow them. So my, his life wasn't devoted to people pleasing, but God pleasing. So what's his conviction? Do you see it? Paul's conviction is this. It's very simple. I am a slave of God delivering his message. This is the theme of the, all the apostles. James, the half-brother, didn't say Jesus James, the brother of Jesus, he said, James, a slave of Christ. This is the foundational conviction for gospel living and gospel proclaiming. I am simply a slave. 
And though that word may be offensive to you, it is exactly what we're, we need to hear. Because if we do not hear it this morning, when we get to Galatians 5, freedom won't be good news to you. This is the message that I pray that you will seek through this letter. That only those are free are slaves. And this is what Jesus said. You can't serve two masters. You're going to be devoted to one. You're going to despise the other. If you truly love this, you're going to hate its opposite. You can't serve two masters. Listen to this quote. One who trims his sail to every breeze of opinion and bias cannot be a servant of Christ. So what? So what this morning? Well, here's what I wanted to end on. Just... If, if this false gospel is serious, and it is, biblically, then what is the true gospel? 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. If Pastor Steve always mentions that you always need to have some 911 verses in your, in your pocket, so to speak. If there's a gospel 911 verse, this is it. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. But he starts out, and I want you to see the, the flow of this. In verses 1 and 2, before he gets to verse 3 and delivers and tells, reminds us of the gospel, look at what he says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 says, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So he's saying the same thing to the Corinthians. He said to the Galatians, You've received the truth. I proclaimed it, and you received it. And listen, if that's you today, that's grace. If you would not have received it, you would have done the same as the Jews and the Greeks, simply been offended by it or thought it was silly. But you received it. You have been saved, and now you're standing in it. That means you're firmly established in it. And listen, look at what it says. You are being saved. That's... Present tense, passive voice. That's a statement of fact. Presently, right now, you are being saved. In other words, you're not saving yourself. God's saving you. It's happening to you. Through the gospel that you've received, in which you stand, God is saving you. Hold fast to it. In other words, the gospel that you did believe never let go of the cross. The gospel doesn't get less important. It gets more important. So, for us today, verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance, which I also received. You see? Paul says, I received it. I didn't change it. I delivered it. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. This is a creedal statement that goes back to the very inception of Christianity. Christ died for our sins, just like was prophesied. He was buried, just like what was prophesied. He was raised the third day. This is the message the Galatians received. Have you received it? In other words, brothers and sisters, are you right now believing the gospel in the fact that Christ just got through saying that he's died for our sins? Why are we carrying it around? Why are we not forgiving when we've been forgiven? 
Why are we looking back into yesterday's sin when Christ has already paid for those sins on the cross? You see, it's important that we fight with the gospel. Right now, as believers, can you articulate this? Can you, can you say this to someone? Can you explain to it? No matter who they are, no matter what age they come from, no matter what background, you, don't, you might not start here. There might be a bridge, but you're going to get to this right here as soon as possible. Because this is the only message that saves. You feel the weight this morning to proclaim the truth. Do you feel like Paul, Acts 20, 24? This is what Paul felt like. He says, do I, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and, my, and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I wonder this morning, what would God's church be like if we all realize that Christ has given us not only salvation, but a ministry to complete? Christ's cross comes with amazing grace. It also comes with a mission. Couldn't say it better than John Stott. It's a compilation of some of his thoughts here. On your, it's on your notes. It's up on the screen. The true gospel is in its essence what Paul called in Acts 20, 24, the gospel of the grace of God. It is good news of, God, of a God who is gracious to undeserving sinners. In grace, He gave His Son to die for us. In grace, He calls us to Himself. In grace, He justifies us when we believe. All is from God. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.18, meaning that all is of grace. Nothing is due to our efforts, merits, or work. Everything in salvation is due to the grace of God. You cannot modify or supplement the gospel without radically changing its character. So I return to the question. Does it really matter what we believe? As long as we love Jesus, brothers and sisters, it eternally matters. It eternally matters what we believe. Listen, the glory of God is at stake here. Understand, this is the glory of God. This is not about just about my eternal destination. This is about God's glory. God's glory is only displayed when I proclaim the gospel truth that's been unchanged, that was given to me, that which I received, now I proclaim. It only brings glory when that gospel is proclaimed and when that gospel affects, is lived out in my actual life. Just a minute, we're going to stand and sing a good hymn. It's based, one of the lines says, Let us raise our Ebenezer. In 1 Samuel 7, 13, when they, God's people thought the Philistines were going to crush them, they asked Samuel to call out to God, and God rescued him. And as a response to that rescue, he raised a monument, a rock of help to remember it is God who rescues us. We have a Savior. Our Ebenezer is Jesus Christ. He is our rock. And it matters not whether you have believed yesterday or you believed 50 years ago. Today, we must tune our attention to the gospel. Because it is the God who has rescued us. He is the God who does rescue us. And He is the God who will deliver us safely to our Father one day. 
because he has promised to do so. He is our Ebenezer. So, Lord, what do we say to such things? Lord, how can we respond as human beings with this very limited language? We have such a low vantage point for your glory. But Lord, that which we have seen, that which we have received, Lord, we just desire to worship you. So Lord, thank you for your grace. This grace that has saved us, this grace that is saving us, this grace that will save us, Lord. Will you now receive our worship? And oh God, if one is not here that does not know you, would you bring life to them by your mercy? Would you bring repentance and faith and a new life? Lord, no matter how long it's been since that time that you brought these dry bones to life. We praise you for it. Because we didn't deserve it. And we didn't do anything to gain it. It's all from you. So now, Lord, we worship you for who you are. You are our Savior. You are God. You are a God of the living and of the dead. So now, Lord, while we still have life, while we still have this temporal life, we worship you with our mouths, with our lives as we leave. We will not let the gospel fall to the ground this week, Lord. Please, Lord. Give us the courage and the strength and the clarity and the boldness to proclaim it. And to love those around us like those who have received the grace that we have received. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And now we stand to our feet and we worship you. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's worship our Lord.